indeed three songs podcast hi i'm bob hi i'm mike episode 147 january 22nd 2021 (laughs) you are bob 147 i I am mike Uh, happy 60th birthday to daniel johnson if he's still roaming the planet god bless him yeah um yeah and we lost Hammer and Hank Aaron, one of my childhood heroes. We did. We did. We've lost yeah. a lot of, sadly. But 86, you know, I mean, come on. Lost I mean, a lot of baseball legends recently. Don Sutton. Yeah, Don Sutton. I, di- I didn't know that Don Sutton was the only pitcher who pitched 200 innings in 20 seasons. That's yeah. pretty remarkable stuff. Yeah. And Tommy Lasorda. Uh, we lost he was him like nineties, yeah. you know. I mean, this is this is me. Sutton died up. at seventy five. That's you know quite young. I I grew up um, in Southern California, and I first in the seventy seven seventy eight became a Dodger fan. You know, so it was the Don Sutton, Tommy you certainly Lasorda was era. You know, yeah. The only World Series game I ever went to in my life was uh, Don Sutton pitched it, starting mm-hmm. pitcher. Wow. Yep, seventy-seven Yankee Stadium. Willie Randolph, I believe, hit the, hit a crucial home run. Um, that was the first was, year I started following baseball. I think I remember that. I didn't see the end of the game because it went to twelve innings, and we had to get on the last subway train because I was living in Fairfield, Connecticut at the time. And I remember that we left, I think, after the tenth, and we were running to the train and the legendary news reporter, Harry Reasoner. Um, we bumped into him and had a brief word with him, me and my dad. And he was, he was waiting to cover the rush of people that going to the train after the game. <laughs> I remember that Bob? aspect. It was quite, it was quite a, it was quite a night. Cause like I didn't have a, as a child that many brushes with insanely, famous things really and and um so to be you know the heightened spectacle of world series game combined with running into like you know a legendary newsman was yeah i mean talk- star studded stuff around talk- the same time i did um i did see um dr j julius irving playing basketball in the richmond coliseum when he played in the aba for the virginia squires and um as he was running off the floor, I slapped him on the back of the arm, um, trying to get his attention or something like the little 10 year old basketball enthusiast that I was. And then I, I was that much of a nerd and still am that, um, I didn't wash my hand for like six days thinking it might improve my shot, which it didn't. <laughs> That's amazing. <clears throat> in, so yeah. In incredible childhood memories there. Yeah. I mean, World Series and Harry Reasoner, you know, like that's it was heavy duty. Great. It was like you know, love it, yeah. love it. You know, rare brushes with stardom when you're 
a child kind of like really sort of stick in your memory, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember when I was probably six or seven seeing a filming of Wonder Woman with Linda Carter. Whoa. And I have I still have the autographed eight by ten glossy photo from her uh after after the filming of the episode. So my dad was my dad worked at Technicolor in Southern California. Oh cool. Yeah. It's a cool game. So he would sometimes get tickets to filming of shows and um I can't remember if I mentioned it on here, but um he was at the either the pilot or the very first episode of Three's Company, I forget which, uh, and I've seen it where if you're listening, it was before they had any like laugh tracks, and if you're listening closely, he had a very, very distinctive laugh, and you could hear his laugh during oh, wow. that episode. Um, yeah, I should I should try and find it and go back and watch That's it. Pretty it's cool. just, That's pretty you know, cool. That's pretty cool. Like I can, it's, it's, it's very odd... Um, you know, he's been gone 32 some odd years now. So it's just, it's just odd to be able to tap into audio recordings of, you know, my father's voice. So yeah. His laugh, I bet. At least. Yeah. So. Bless his heart. Yeah. And uh, a week ago today, we, we mentioned it on a, a recent show, a week ago today it was his birthday. So this one's for you, dad. Yeah, this one's for for you and uh, I'll start it off with um, I'm going to play a pair of songs from a really great band that started actually in the mid 90s but I wasn't aware of them first time around um, at all I think I actually unfortunately became a fan after they very sadly went to funk um, right. by the really unfortunate um, death of their brilliant singer and she played the synth and guitar and it was really a two-piece band trish keenan and james cargill from birmingham in england and um they were they sort of rose out of the ashes of like duophonic kind of rode i guess sort of you know a bit rode the style of stereo lab and the like and um i'm gonna play an early song to start things off off of a record called work and non-work they were on the great um, record label called Warp, which started in Sheffield, subsequently moved to London. And this is a song called The World Backwards by Broadcast. Broadcast. <laughs> Thank you. 
Yeah, kind of the um, kind of the pram, mm-hmm. definitely shake stereo sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. I always uh, kind of thought of them as the British Stereo Lab in a way. Yeah, well, I mean, Stereo Lab's pretty British. Yeah, but I always thought of, you know, I mean, I guess because of, for of of her vocals, right? I I I kind of got this like French feel, right? Oh, definitely. You know, like, and it's true. Stereolab is very British, of course, because that's where they were based and everything. But, but um, well, every, everybody in the band, yeah, except except for Letitia. Letitia, yeah, yeah. Well, sure. next and Mary was from Australia. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, and and they're a band that I know pretty well. I mean, I'm somewhat familiar with, but I've never really, you know, I haven't really gotten completely like into their full catalog i have and they I made I, dozens of really great songs i think it's yeah i have i have maybe like buttons. four albums yeah four, four four or five albums yeah i have like one of their albums and i enjoyed it but like for whatever reason i just never i never got um you know i never explored further so this is yeah she another, was an unusually diffident bashful person a very yeah. sort of quiet and private person it's like sort of the idea of her <clears throat> getting up on stage and being a front woman because I, I mean I know what stage fright and yeah. pre-gig anxiety is all about sure. and so I think it was almost painstaking live because she was um, it was just sort of a difficult thing to pull off and then sort of unfortunately she kind of got around to a point after she'd been playing live shows and touring really internationally for a decade where she got to the point where that fear sort of subsided um until she hit the stage and then it would sort of all Mm -hmm. come back but like uh seems like a seems like a very lovely person james cargill who she co-wrote just about all the songs that he played bass um just uh just a really great sounding band mm-hmm. and uh i'm, I'm gonna play another example I, that, that that was from 97 this is be sort of like towards the tail end of their recorded output and this is also on warp it's off an album called tender buttons and it's called i found the f
pretty little song. Yeah, very pretty. Uh, it's very serene mm-hmm. and um, relaxing. They kind of take you away to a soft, kind place. Such a vibe, right? Yeah, definitely a very much a vibe. And, yeah. Uh, her life was sadly claimed by the swine flu, H1N1, mm-hmm. um, that she contracted on tour. I believe she was coming home from Australia and got sick and then more sick and then perished at a young age but um she left behind um and i think james sort of attempted to carry on but she was such a sort of a dynamic and carry kind of a defining force of the band um you really can't imagine how that worked out but um it was like 10 years ago right i think it was just yeah i think 2011 yeah Yeah. so they'd been around you know like um You know, and uh, pretty well established at that point, so sort of, um, you know, kind of vanished at the peak of their powers, sadly. Mm-hmm. And uh, but uh, they left behind a lot of great records, so delved in. I will. Yeah. Thanks for the reminder. As as always, you you often. It is one of those bands, like you know, broadcast it like. Um, it's a great band name in a lot of ways, but it's. It's, you know, it's it's a bit vague, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, not, not to say that, you know, Pavement isn't um, right. it's sort of the same kind of band name. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, so it does. It's not like Violent Femmes or, you know, Sex Pistols or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> they, as you like to mention, can, the scrotum poles. Yeah, they kind of slipped the mind, but. Whenever I play them, I'm always sort of reminded of how great they they were. And, you know, again, they kind of came to the fore in the era in which I sort of had stopped participating. So I was paying less attention. So I kind of concentrated on spending more time on that era because obviously it was nearly a decade or at least seven or eight years and I missed a lot of great things in broadcast was one. So yeah. So the last decade has been kind of catch up time for me. And they're one of my favorite things from the last several years. Fantastic. I will, I will definitely dig deeper for sure. Cause I, I have, uh, I have missed a lot of their output and, um, everything I've heard I've loved, but so I don't know why I didn't dig deeper, but I will. Well, I'm gonna... Yeah, I just think like they're one of those bands that uh, you know. I, I think I talk about this a lot. Like I, I, I listen to music a lot when I'm driving, and like I do commute, and um, I do take a lot of road trips and stuff like that. And so I feel like I kind of consume music best instead of like in a living room on a turntable, like while driving. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, they definitely one of those bands that click off the miles you know they they in a great way take you to a space where you're still concentrating on the road in front of you but you're you know what i'm saying yeah i can hear it especially in that last song it has kind of a driving feel to it yeah you know no feelies would be a great example of a band that's like you know great for road trips like yeah you know when you're looking at eight hours of driving and you know you put on the broadcast they'll They'll buy you seventy miles. <laughs> nice. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna s- switch things up a little bit, and I'm gonna play. 
You know, I mean, I don't know what to say about her. This is a woman, um, Annette Peacock, who has been around for 50 years. She's still around. I think she's still, I don't know if she's still recording. Um, She is kind of a legend in that um, she's played with so many different people and... um, you know, I think she's often pigeonholed as jazz, which, you know, makes sense. She was married to Gary Peacock. Um, she wrote a lot uh, and played a lot with Paul Blay, uh, amazing jazz musician. Some Albert her, Eiler. Yeah, Albert Eiler. She was good friends with Albert Eiler. Um, so she definitely has a jazz background, but a lot of her music is weirder, more experimental, kind of ahead of its time, but also almost a precursor in a lot of ways to like, I don't know, like a Kate Bush or even a Fiona Apple where it's just her at a piano singing a song and it doesn't even really feel like jazz necessarily. Um, But it, you know, I mean, it is because they didn't really have any other way to categorize it. In her first album, I'm going to play a song. Actually, I'm going to play a song that was recorded at that time, was not on the original release and was on subsequent bonus, uh, as a subsequent bonus track on reissues. Her, Her first album was under the name The Bly, Paul Blay, Blay Peacock Synthesizer Show. (laughs) Um, and the name of the album was Revenge, The Bigger the Love, The Greater the Hate. And so (laughs) it was just this, and you know, this is a woman who, she was, she had her own record label, she was releasing her own records in the 70s and the 80s, um, when that sort of stuff wasn't really the norm, especially for women, right? Like, I can't think of too many women that started their own record label. There was Sylvia Robinson who started um, Sugar Hill Records. But, um, you know, it's really like just a handful of women that were this out there. And, you know, she was she was doing stuff. Well, she's definitely a synthesizer pioneer, both with her ability to play keys and vocal techniques. I mean... Yeah, for sure. For sure. There was like, you know... She's a, you know, complete law unto herself. Like, you know, there's nothing really else like her. When she was doing this in... She's 19- played with Nels. I think in the last 10 years, she's played with Nels. Yeah, Klein. yeah, sure. Uh, maybe Good we should have saved this for when Nels was on. Um, well, we can just bring it back up. We can bring it back up for sure. But, um, but yeah, so I'll play a song. It was recorded in 1969. Uh, it's called Flashbacks. It's um, from a reissue... They're going way to the start of her career. Yeah, it was from a reissue of that first record. Um, The reissue was called I Belong to a World That's Destroying Itself. Um, But it really was a reissue of that first album called Revenge, The Bigger the Love, The Greater the Hate. Um, So here you go. Check it out. Flashbacks. It's just kind of weird and different. And I mean, I can't think of anything to really compare it to in 1969. Um, and even still, it sounds pretty unique today. So check it out. Brad. Three, 
It's a lot of fun. It's like a kid in a, with early synthesizers, just like an, an incredible amount of ability. Right. You can imagine how difficult it would be to sort of, I guess, like playing live was just pretty free for him. It just, it just sounds, it's, it's both like really loose, but also really tight. It sounds like she's having fun, but it's also very structured and like Very I, can't, I can't think of anything similar to that. I mean, that was 1969. Um, it, do you mind if uh, I'll play one more song? If, if, if I mean, you know, like Beefheart and stuff like that. Well, right, but Beefheart was 
you know, I mean, I think there didn't was, have the scent. I mean, yeah, right. It was it was less um, I mean, silver apples synthesizer. And stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, but there was this like kind of playfulness and silliness and the breakdown, and then like it, her daughter talking in it. You know, it's just like this experimentation that was. Um, I don't even well, know. She certainly I, wasn't arrogant. I mean, right? Yeah, she I mean, was. She was. It doesn't. It was. It's very music. self-effacing and very like um, fresh. Or she's still and, going so. and non-pretentious, right? Like, like I think, I think that's part of it. Is that I think of of a lot of this like weirder music that was happening in the late '60s and early '70s. There's this, there's this air of pretension to it, um, right? That. Yeah, like com- hey, like look what we're doing. Like we're so right out it's, there and groundbreaking. There's, like there's this really refreshing sweetness. Um, yeah, frivolity. Yeah, to to her music that that kind of doesn't exist. Like I think that's what I'm reacting to in a lot of ways. Like that's what feels very ahead of its time. Um, light, light, but fun, but serious, and you know. Uh, anyway, I, I I just I I adore her stuff, and um, you know, especially as somebody who was way ahead of her time, you know, forming her own label, releasing her own music. Um, well, it was early ahead of her time. Doing her own thing. I'll, I'll play. You know, one. And a lot of things are made that are not supposed to be compared to anything else, and she's one of the rare ones that falls to that category. Yeah, that peacock. For sure. For sure. Do you mind if I play one more? Sure, no, I'll look forward to it. 1972, this is a little bit more straight ahead. It's just her on piano and singing. Um, She took like a 15-year hiatus. Yeah, yeah. I think in the late 80s and sort of reemerged this millennium. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, and now she's still, I mean, like, I think, yeah, she recorded with with Nils five years years ago, so. Yeah, you know, interesting, interesting woman. Um, this is from the I'm the One. Be 80 this year. Yeah. I'm the One, released in 1972. Song's called Seven Days. Um, yeah, I hope you like it. It's Bring it on. Been seven days since you've been gone. Seven
Just a pretty song. Yeah, beautiful song. You don't you don't hear Annette Peacock getting name checked very often. No. And why? Which is interesting. Like, like to me that seems that was 1972, and there, it was essentially her on piano with vocals, but there was some kind of weird synth noises going on in the background occasionally too. That didn't. She really, can't leave that out. Yeah, it didn't really overpower the that was song. Her game. But um, but yeah, I mean, to me, that seems very ahead of its time. You know, just a pretty... Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think that's what she was all about, perhaps. <clears throat> for sure. Maybe that's, maybe that's why she stopped for a while. Like... Could, could be. And, you know, I mean, like... I think she gets pigeonholed as jazz. I don't really read an Annette Peacock interview, actually, either. I, I, I don't yeah. know if I have either. Um, Maybe she doesn't grant them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that gets pigeonholed as jazz, or she gets pigeonholed as jazz, partly because of the, the character she was running with. You know, and some of it is... is All appro- jazz. All a- jazz does. Appropriate with the music, too. But, like, a lot of it was, you know, beautiful songs like that. Um and yeah she's and, cool yeah thanks for sharing i wouldn't sure. i wouldn't even yeah i wouldn't really even call that jazz um but yeah dig in i've been really yeah, good one. diving into a lot of her disc- discography and There's sadly a lot there yeah but sadly a lot of it is not available online so it's kind of hard to come by yeah dig deep my friends yes anyways i'll ship this in a place we haven't visited in quite some time 
the northern Africa, specific, specifically Morocco in this case. And this is a new-ish artist. They're going strong. This is going to play a song from their 2018 record. They're a band called, I think it, I mean, it's B-A-B, Bob Le Blues, B-A-B, L apostrophe B-L-U-Z. And um, they're real groundbreakers in Morocco. Morocco. Um, there's this, the album's called Nada, and uh, Nada's a, it's very unusual for a Moroccan woman to lead a band, apparently, in Morocco. And um, Yusra Mansour does, does just that. And uh, a lot of their music is tied in with the traditional Moroccan music, which is Nawe music, G-N-A-W-A. And um, this could actually be their biggest hit, I suppose. It's on a uh, label called Real World Records, and it's uh, Bobla Blues with Na uh, Nawe Beat.
That sounds like party music. Yeah, it's like sort of the joyous sounds of a cultural revolution, you know, For like because sure. you know, I guess I don't know. Sadly, is the right word for it, but like um, this NATO youth movement in Morocco is like groundbreaking in that a lot of the sort of roles. So they, they're kind of you know they're playing a lot of traditional Moroccan instruments and stuff like that. And there's definitely some elements of. I think there's some French musicians in the band. It's like a seven or eight piece act, and um, there's a lot of action there, and. Uh, you can just feel the joy, sort of. Yeah. Like, it just feels very triumphant to me. And we've talked yeah, about this almost endlessly on the show, but that seems like the sort of thing that would be amazing to see live. And oh, hell yeah. It's sad that right now no one's seeing that live because it feels like the sort of music that you need to experience in a live setting. Yeah, it'd be great, but it is it is a really exciting record. Yeah, okay. Cool. As well. So, um, yeah, I just think they're really one of the cool new things that I've stumbled upon here in the last year or two. Are and, they, um, um, so you said that's pretty current. That came out like last yeah, year? Yeah, 2018. So 2018. Okay. I imagine they're sort of in that position where they probably had something new that might be on hold, you know, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they probably would have been out and about. Have and, they been around for a while or is that? Oh, maybe 2016. Okay. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's somewhat controversial, you know, to have a front woman. Yeah. Well, good. Good for her. Yeah. Fuck shit up, Used to her man, so she's a badass. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it current. Um, I'm going to play something from 2016. This is the second LP. The album was called monosyllably um in in the (laughs) band the band is the counterintuits it's a duo from ohio uh, columbus ohio yeah um led by which is definitely one of your emerging as one of your favorite rock and roll cities i you know yeah seriously have you been i've never been um a small brainy scene yeah yeah very but there's there's so many there's enthusiastic. so many great bands that come from there um, going strong since the mid 70s you know i was just talking to today i was just talking to our buddy Emil amos um he called me oh uh, how's he been doing he's good he, um he's starting a reissue record a reissue label with um steve shelley so he called me and we were chatting oh, about we were chatting about music. Um, Two major curators there. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but yeah, we were talking about how great the Columbus scene was and it just just how like it was a snapshot of a certain era and there were so many, um, you know, I, I, I guess the, the word legends is a big word, but like. They were legends in their era and in their scene, but they didn't really ripple that far out um, beyond it. Well, they're appreciated as such. Yeah, and there. and I think one of them is one of them is definitely Ron House. Um, yeah, he's definitely one of the kings. One of the kings. Ron House was in. Um, he was in Thomas Jefferson Slave Apartments. He was in Great Plains. Great Plains, um, I think, would be like his biggest his, thing. His big thing, yeah. On Homestead, yeah. Exactly. Um, he was an Ego Summit with uh, 
Don Howland and Mike Rep and Jim Shepard. Um, and he is half of Counterintuits with Jared Phillips, who was also in Times New Viking. Really nice guy. Yeah. Really good guy. Um, never met him, but um, they put out two records, and I really dig them. I dig them both. Um, this is from their second LP, their most recent one. I'll play. I'll play this one. It's it's sort of um, almost uh, a little. Um, not juvenile, but like little, like kind of ridiculous. The, the song is called Password, parentheses, is Password. Um, counterintuits. It's kind of fun. Ron House on vocals. Here you go. Cool. Distinctly Ron House. Vintage Ron House. Yeah. So uh, he hasn't I, changed a bit. Not at all. I, I guess. I guess um, Jared Phillips d- recorded the music, sent it to Ron, and then Ron threw vocals on top of it. It's a good way to do things. Uh, yeah. Even it's... though they probably live four miles apart. <laughs> right. Or maybe yeah. he just wrote the music. I don't know. But um... I've done a few things like that where I, you know, like I just go to my laundry room and. I'm asked to like kind of make noises and do vocals, and so I did a illness. So I'll play. Have I played that? Have you 
You have you have one of those. I right? do, I do. Um, yeah, we haven't played yeah. it on the show. We should we should do it sometime. Um, yeah, my my mid at sea records. Um, Dom, his band, The Illness. They yeah. they just send you like um, and then another dear friend of mine, um, uh, uh, Casey um, and Pog. Like, yeah, it's so great to these guys that know how to do these things, and all I have to do is like go into my basement with a phone <laughs> and then Scream. then I just I'm like you know I'll do a take or two and send it and and sort of hope that I don't have to do it again um <laughs> and then they sort of you know I'm just yeah they're fo- followed by the general instructions of like do every try your best to make me sound good <laughs> um that's great so yeah, obviously their skills are pretty expensive that they've been able to manage that. Um, but Columbus, you ever been to Columbus? I've never been, no. Yeah, I lived, I mean, I worked at Beulah Park um, for a while, but like, I guess my first experiences of going to Columbus were, were of course, with pavement. Mm-hmm. I think we probably played there four or five times. And it's a very easy place to tour because um, you just go, you park your van, you load in go to the record stores, mm-hmm. um, you eat, and then you're met by a crowd um, of very enthusiastic. It's just easy. Like, when you see it on your tour schedule, at least back then, very easy to – they're happy that you're there sort yeah. of thing, which is nice because there isn't yeah. – it's not like a lot of places you go where they we kind of have to, like – prove yourself it's right. like more like they're happy that you're there very welcoming they don't give you the side <coughs> when you show up yeah like hall would be the same way yeah. um you know a lot of places you go where you're like oh this will be easy like you look at your tour schedule like oh, this will be easy it'll be great yeah. so it's like so when you get there you're like okay this will be no problem like this will be a good show and then subsequently it usually works out that it is a good show mm-hmm. That's good. Um, so advice to all the scenes out there. <laughs> hey, um, Stop in Columbus. Play Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course, like Columbus, like Ann Arbor is, it's just one of those towns. like, you know, Ron, like, um, and all of them, like the scene there, they're like, they're year rounders. Like there, mm-hmm. there is that separation between the massive university, which, you know, so the, population is constantly fluctuating right um and place like ohio state like in the summertime like those sixty thousand approximately like goes down to about 10 you know and like i always enjoyed that in charlottesville the four years that i lived there when even though i was a student when the students left right because um, you can sort of get a better feel for the town so yeah yes yeah, summertime in columbus is a good Good, good place to go. Sort of like when I lived in Eugene, you know, summers in Eugene. Oh, yeah, you know the feel. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then they come back, and, like, even, like, in our case, you're one of them. Like, yeah. you're, you're like, uh, like, oh, God, here they come. <laughs> right. Yeah, because there's always a lot of pricks amongst them, you know. Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's the way it goes. Yeah. But uh, anyways, I'll um, end my portion of the program tonight with, oh, let's go to Brooklyn. And um, the band that I guess we've talked about several times on the show, but somewhat shamefully, we haven't played any of their music. Um, it's a band called Woods. Um, it's a bit of a revolving door of, of 
personnel involved over the years. Very prolific band that started about 15 years ago, I guess, maybe even earlier. Very prolific band, Woods. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, best known to me, I was vaguely aware of them and their music until they essentially were the backing band for um, the Purple Mountains record, and they did a fantastic job on that. For sure. Um, in many ways. And um, I'm going to play... Have you listened to much of their music? A little bit. I mean, I've heard maybe one album. Um... They're really consistent. I think they've made like 12 or 13. They're really consistent. They're like one of those bands that like do a great job of sort of... They're very talented, and Jarvis and Jeremy and the, and the lads. And um, they sort of they stamp their, their quality really nicely on... So they just make great songs. And um, this is um, this is a song called Skull that came out in uh, 2011. And I'll talk about it afterwards. Hey! 
That's a nice little song. Yeah, the band Woods on the Three Songs podcast. A little falsetto yeah. going on there. Yeah, well, that's the way he sings. Oh. Yeah, see, yeah. I, haven't heard, I haven't heard nearly enough Woods. I need to... Well, you've heard Purple Mountain, so, I mean... That's true. That's... Uh, Jarvis uh, Tavernier is doing... I mean, I think a lot of people thought that, in some cases, it was a female vocalist, which it is in the case of... Um, a few songs, one song, Haley Four, right. from Circuit to You, but her voice is deeper than Jarvis's. Interesting. So a lot of people, I mean, she can sing high, she's got an incredible range, but um, yeah, Jarvis has this, you know, sort of be- beautiful falsetto, not falsetto, just like a soprano mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. voice, oh. and um, great guitar player, Jeremy Rowland. And, and so there's one of those bands that and I have a handful of records um, that there's there's just they're remarkably consistent, great to listen to. Cool, very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you. And that's from what year? That's from that? what you know. That's from that. That's from 2011. It's, do you remember like when bands used to do that? They go, it's a a tour split seven inch. Like they were on uh, tour with Kurt Vile, I guess, for uh-huh. a, a while. Yeah. And so they slapped that song and another song on one side of a seven inch and there's sort of three or four short Kurt Vile songs on the other side. Cool. It's sort of like a, a bygone tradition. Like mm-hmm. we've been on tour for a while. Let's make a seven inch record. <laughs> and, yeah. um, but this is a, something to sell at the shows. Yeah. It's a good move. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so merch is everything. Merch is everything. Um, yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to play something from the seventies. This was released in 1973. This was a band from here in Portland, Oregon. Uh, A couple of the members of the band, uh, Rich Gooch and Jack Charles, later formed a band called Quarter Flash that had had a pretty big MTV hit, Hard in My Heart. But yeah, this, I think I heard it at the supermarket about five days you ago. Probably did. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> the night they were when I was um in there tonight they were playing um the romantics what I like about you. Yeah, that's a good took one. Took me back took me back to the ninth I like grade. That. That's a good one. Yeah, whatever song. the music that pumps through the price chopper um speakers could be worse. Right. Right. That's but it a... usually is from my childhood. So I don't know what's going on there. I don't know where they do the Pandora thing or Right, that's that's a good knows, song. But that's a good power pop song, for sure. It's pretty loud. It's pretty yeah. loud in the in the in the store, and it's like it's pretty amped up. I do better like name that tune at Price Sharper than anywhere else in the world. Like, um, I don't know what's going on, or like, it's almost like, you know, Prairie Meadows, the um, not very distinctive Midwestern casino. Um, where I work, the music there is clearly worse, but uh, unfortunately, like it has this way of like just getting into your head and you can't get yeah. it out. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, I hear you. And then there's commercials too, the sort of insidious nature of music on commercials that get in your head. And, right. 
Well, yeah, I, I get scolded for that a lot. Like, so, sorry to take you down that path. I'm going to play a song. Sorry to harden my heart. So yeah. Harden my heart by Har- Quarter Flash. Uh, I'm not going to play Harden <laughs> My Heart by Quarter Flash. I'm going to play. The band is called. I mean, I played Susie Quattro. That's true. Era-ish, you know? That's true. The, the band is great. This band is called Sand. S A N D. They put out a. This is from an album. It's like quarter flash without the dynamic female lead singer. I guess so, but you know, I mean, the the vibe is completely different. Can you name the lead singer of Quarter Flash? Uh, no. The woman? No. Me neither. No. Me neither. Sorry. Um, that would be the lady that sang "Hard in My Heart." Like, yeah, that's the answer. Um, <laughs> but Swallow your tears. This is a. Um, this is from a. It's a single album. Okay, it was. It was a you know forty some odd minute record um, that Portland came, right you, like, Portland just, you know yep came out in nineteen seventy three but but recorded it, exactly where you were sitting you're uh, sitting right now maybe so like, yeah maybe um, <laughs> you, have, you have no idea but the I'm, song that you're gonna play I am literally right around the corner from Jackpot Studios Larry Crane's um, oh yeah I know where you live then yeah. unless so, he's moved he has moved he has moved oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, he used to be on Belmont. He's no longer. Say hi to Larry for me. I will. Larry's great. Larry's fantastic. Nice. Can't go wrong with Larry. Um, but anyway, this how's is, he looking? Pretty good. Uh, I, you know, I haven't seen him lately. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, Larry's Larry. Yeah, that's the thing. You know, we're not really seeing people. No, nope, nobody's seeing anyone. Um, yeah. But this, this, this <laughs> no is, one's seeing anyone anymore. This is a double LP that is two single-sided records. So this was created, this album, it's the only one I know of. You know how, like, back in the six, late 60s, early 70s, they made, like, double LPs would be sides one and four and two and three because the idea was that you would stack them on a record changer and they would drop. Oh, yeah, those things were wild. Right. I had one, or my dad did. Right, my and did. so the idea behind this record was it was two single-sided records, where sides one and two were on different records. So you stacked them on the record changer, and they would continually play through. And I actually have this record on vinyl. Um, it's the only one I know of like Come on. How did you, how'd you get this thing? It's, yeah, they're a Portland band. You know, I go shopping at Portland record stores. I saw it. I actually saw it and was flipping through, I don't know how many years ago, 10 10, 15 years The band years is ago. called Sand, by the, the way. The band is Sand. called Sand. They're one of like 88 bands in the world <laughs> called Sand. <laughs> right. There's the right. English one, and, the German one, this is the Portland one. And so I was at this record store. It was and giant, I was, not to be confused with Giant Sand. I was, um, I was flipping through and this guy next to me was like, oh, this is a good record. You should buy it. It's only a couple bucks. And I was like, okay. Like fine. where do you shop in Portland? Music Millennium or... Um, yeah, I think this might have been at Crossroads. Crossroads is still around. It moved. It used to be on Hawthorne. Um, it's now way out, like, on Foster and 82nd. But it's essentially... For all of you Portland geography experts. Yeah, it's essentially <laughs> a... Um, it's like a... How would you... How, it's, it's like an antique mall for record stores. So it's this big record store, but... Throughout it, there's probably like 15 to 25 different vendors. So you go and you go down an aisle and there will be two or three different vendors in that aisle. 
selling. And they're humming along now, so it's like a flea market for record dealers. Kind of, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Um, yeah, they're still going. There's um, a population that supports this, which is quite amazing. Yeah, and uh, I think that might be where I bought this record. Yeah. Not 100% sure, but it would have been years ago, back when they were still in, in, on Hawthorne. Um, right. So so here you go. I'll play it. Uh, it's like, where does like Music Millennium fit in like in the overall scheme of things? Like top ten Portland record store? Yeah, I guess. I mean, they used to be. They used to have two locations. They used to have one on Twenty Third, and they used to have yeah. one. Uh, and they have one on Burnside. Yeah, uh, Burnside. I rearranged their all their seven inches one day when I was bored on, on East Burnside. When I was visiting um, David at Stevens. But yeah, the the. Um, the one on Twenty Third used to have bands. I saw Delgados play there. I saw. I'm saying when I rearranged their seven inches, I put about three thousand seven inches in alphabetical order that were all out of alphabetical order. <laughs> that sounds. That sounds a little. In between weird. buying popsicles and matchbox cars for the guy that I was visiting. That's that's awesome. Uh, sounds a little ADHD, but that's you know another. No, no, it's there. called killing time. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, anyway, here's Sand. The song is called Who You Trying To... I was actually trying to be nice, Mike. That's very nice. It's very yeah, sweet. Nice. Except you yeah. weren't getting paid for it. I didn't get offered a job. Yeah, right. So, you know. Although I bought like a Shaka Khan 7-inch or something, and the guy was like, holy shit, this is, that was in there? And I was like, yeah, there's like 11 7-inches and... It's like that batted all right that day, like six for it spent like eleven bucks and so, you know six for eleven ain't bad. Anyway, Sam. That's cool. Sam Sorry, mate. Sorry, mate. Who you trying to fool, nineteen seventy-three. A nice little like I don't know Crosby Stills Nash sort of vibe. Very laid back. I think you'll dig it. It's not like you're worried about it. Uh not too not too worried. I'm gonna I'm okay. gonna I'm gonna sit back, I'm gonna enjoy it. If you do, that's even better. Here you go. <laughs> if you don't screw you, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Put the needle on the groove. If you don't need it, hey, you better not keep it. And if you don't want it, hey, you better not take it from somebody Tells you, yeah, she ain't got anything left to say the love she's had for you. It's only too blue. A cry inside of you, and nothing left to bind you, and nobody's on to blind you. Cause you got to find out what's on your own.
you forgot her too Oh, just like she wanted you to do You got to remember who you are Giant pool life inside of you Nothing left to find you And nobody's love to find you But you got to find out what's on your own <laughs> yeah, pretty uh, you know, laid back. Fireworks were blown. Yeah. Um, so tell me the story again. You were in the I was in a, flea market, and you were flipping through. I was flipping through. There's a guy next to you. Guy next to me. You know, I mean, in 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 um, record stores like that, like sometimes you start chatting with someone that's like in there, you know, and for whatever reason, like he saw that record. And he was like, "Oh, that's a, that's a really good record. It's totally underrated." Like he called, I think he called it Yacht Rock, and he was like, "You should buy it. It's only a couple bucks." Yacht Rock. Yacht Rock. Um, yeah, yeah. He was like, "It's really good." Uh, mm. 
and so I bought He's it. He's making fifteen dollars an hour, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, exactly. Go up um, to the naive customer who's just kind of like obviously spent forty five minutes in there and has two under his arm and like <laughs> make him buy a few things he otherwise wouldn't buy. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I bought it. It's 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 a good record. It's it's the kind of record that two A sides, two A sides. Um, so you're saying like um, they're two different discs, but like the one side is completely blank. Yep, that's exactly right. Yeah. So hmm. it was it was meant for those disc changers where you would like set. Oh sure, yeah. Set no, it up and those. then drop it. Yeah. Those um, things never broke. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, and you know, I don't think this thing's ever been reissued. It was never released on CD. Um, so if you go to Discogs and you try and buy a copy, you can only buy the double LP single sided versions. Um, How much do they cost? You know, I mean, you could probably buy one for you know five to ten bucks. Um, That's I, a shame. Wouldn't it be great if yours was worth like two fifty? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you, would you would you sell it for two fifty? Oh sure, and then I'd buy another copy yeah. for five to ten bucks. <laughs> no, no, no. But I'm saying, like, if it was one of those records that was so rare. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Like you've got a few of those in your collection, like records that are worth like a couple hundred bucks, right? Sure, and and the ones don't name them, but like the ones that are um, meaningful to me, I will still keep. But like, you know, I mean, this is a record that I enjoy, but it's not. Have you so... sold? You've sold records for a hundred bucks, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's not so meaningful to me that I would, if somebody, if somebody were to come along and say, "I'll give you a couple hundred bucks for this," I'd be like, oh, here, "Here you go." Well, the cool things about the cool thing about records that you would sell for a hundred bucks is that the reason why you'll sell them is because they never, you never really, you listen to them once or twice, you didn't really like them, so that means they have more value because they're basically nearly mint, you know. So it's yeah, like, right. I'm going to put this in the hands of somebody that really, really loves it, really wants it, if they're willing to, you know, pay that much money for it. Right, and some of the some of those records are ones where I realize, like, I don't need the original pressing of whatever. Oh, I see what you're saying. There, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'll take a reissue. I'll I'll sell the original Wire Pink Flag for 150 and take a reissue for 20. Yeah, fine by me. I don't care. It sounds it sounds the so same. Let's see. Think of the problem I would have there is that my pink flag, my wire pink flag, is too is you know good at best. It's been played. Yeah, right. You know, seven hundred twelve times, and <laughs> it hasn't. Right. It's been you know it's it hasn't been well taken care of. That's the problem with my record collection. Is I was, yeah, you know, never have taken very good care of it so um, anyways do you have one of those machines that cleans records what do you call those things so, no no i don't and ha- my friend greg does have we talked about this wonders. on the show have we talked about Benarama or whatever what's it called like you yeah. put it in the thing right right i know what i know what you mean have does that we, shit work i mean ha- i've never done it have we talked about this the do you know the way i clean records I just do it with my dishwasher that I've had for since I was sixteen. I use wood glue. Okay, what do you do? Have you? T- we haven't talked about this. So you t- you get wood glue, and wood yeah. glue because it's it it's meant to adhere to porous materials, and vinyl is not porous. 
you you kind of like put beads of wood glue around. You okay, kind of, first of all, I'm going to do this on a record that doesn't mean anything to me to start. Do it, do it. Um, but I I swear by it. I tell you, it works. Okay, fantastic. so what do you, you what do you put the wood glue on? So so you go you go. If you're, it's, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, you can. You, you can. can you, we're, we're pretty much done, unless you want to hear about how to how to clean vinyl with wood glue. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm intrigued. So the the way you you you, and I have videos. I have pictures. I can send you. I can post on Twitter if people are listening and are curious. But no, you can the, just do a video of yourself. I could do a video of myself doing it. But the, the you you kind of go in. <laughs> you go in like circles around the record. You put wood glue on it, and then you take like a. Cred- Hold on, no, no. What, you just slap the wood glue on the yes, vinyl? Yes, yes. And then you take like a credit card and spread it all to the edges and into the run-out groove. Okay, now you need to shoot a video of yourself I, doing it. I, and will, then, do, yeah. I will do it. Um, I tell you, <laughs> it works fantastic because what it does is it seeps. Do you snort wood glue? It seeps in. I use Gorilla wood glue, but any wood glue will do. Um, it seeps into the grooves of the vinyl so it gets the deep down microscopic stuff that you can't see and i first tried it i heard about it and was was skeptical but i first tried it because i bought a neil young record at an estate sale that had <coughs> um it had candle wax on it and i was like holy shit how am i going to clean this I'll try the wood glue. Okay, so basically somebody's listening to their Neil Young record and they knocked over the candle. The exactly. Record. And and I was like, there's no way I can clean this because if you scrape it off, you're going to scratch the record. And so I was like, I'll, I'll try the wood glue. And I swear to God, it worked fantastic. I. And so now I clean all of my records, even expensive records, I will clean with wood glue. Um, Do you clean everything with wood glue? No, I mean... Or just records? <laughs> yeah. Like you run around like cleaning things. <laughs> right. Quickly. Right. No, so um the, the me, sir, is that non porous? The downside of doing it with records is you have to let it sit and dry. So you, you do one side, you let it dry, it tr- takes like, you know, four to five hours to dry, and then you flip it over, you do the other side, that has to dry. And then you peel it off and it comes off in like a single sheet. It's actually really satisfying to peel off the wood glue. Um, yeah. So like, and the results are remarkable. Oh yeah. I, I have before and after I can, I can send to you to just, just to hear like It'd be great on the, um, at three songs pod Twitter page. I, I'll, I'll, I'll do it up. Wood glue. Yeah. Cleaning records with wood glue. <laughs> Even things that look like they're clean, you know, you look at them. Oh, vi- they're not clean. Vi- no believe me. Visually, clean. You, you're like, yeah, you know, y- it doesn't look like it's dirty. It doesn't have, like, grime or dirt. Um, yeah, have the- you watched me clean a record in the old school way with the dishwasher and the spray thing that I bought or whatever? You'd be like, oh, God, that is so filthy. Well, the, the, the beauty about the wood glue, again, is... To You're a record cleaning snob in a way. To clean to clean stuff, you need you need some sort of like cleaner, and you need an irritant, right? An agitator. Um, you need to like if you. <laughs> I could have said something mean, but I didn't. <laughs> That's okay. Um, and and a lot of times that if you're agitating on vinyl, 
it scratches it, you know? So the, the beauty of the wood glue is it seeps in, it gets into the microscopic crevices, and then pulls up all of the, um, you know, like crap and dirt and dust and things that you can't, you know, like you, you if you tried to scrub it out, you might end up damaging the record, so... Right. Very interesting. Well, thanks, Mike. Of course. I'm here to help. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a mouthful of wood glue to clean out years of tartar and plaque right now. Wood glue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I actually Be- wait four or five hours before I pick all the wood glue out of my mouth. Between between your teeth, too. Yeah. Just, you know, just like yeah. lay back, you know, let it let it harden. And then, and then yeah. This just is no time to go it, to the ER, Mike. Peel it away, Bob. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'll wait till the morning. I'll sleep on it. Then I'll sleep. Pick it sleep up. on it. Peel it away in the morning. All right. All right. Thanks. Episode one forty seven of Three Songs Pod out. Thank you, sir. Love thank you. you very much. Yeah, have a great one. Yeah, love as, you as always. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thanks for hanging in there after the wood glue conversation. No, yeah. Well, they can always turn it off. I mean, you know, indeed. I'm some sure many did before we got to, you know. That's right. Who the hell knows? Until we got to the end. I don't know how people listen to podcasts, but like, I'm happy happy if you enjoy ours. Thank you. Thank you all. Yes. All right. Take care, man. Good night. Okay.